Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jeff Moyer of DC Sports Training. And in today's episode, we have Dr. Todd Frisch. Dr. Frisch is the author of Why the Face, a practical guide to understanding health and personality through facial diagnosis. And I was introduced to this book and Dr. Frisch back in March when the pandemic first hit. And quite frankly, I just had a bunch of time on my hands. And I'm a big believer of when something bad happens, you say good and figure out why. And, um, you know, I had to stop work there for a while, and um, I, I, I don't know, didn't we didn't know how long it was going to be for, but I, I knew that I wanted to try to pick up some skills and learn some things that that were going to change me and in my practice a little bit and and um, just better myself from an edu- educational standpoint. And so I was listening to you know one of a million podcasts, and uh, one particular one was on "Stop Chasing Pain" by Dr. Perry Nicholson, who we've interviewed. Uh, several podcasts uh, ago, and uh, he interviewed uh, Dr. Frisch and his and his daughter Abby, and they were discussing the book and Dr. Frisch's background with Chinese medicine and um, facial diagnosis. At first, didn't really try to strike me, but it was Dr. Frisch's talk about Chinese medicine. I am a uh, one of the many rabbit holes I've gone down is with uh, applied kinesiology, uh, particularly a branch called Touch for Health, uh, and it, which uh, uses a I mean, it's largely based off of Chinese medicine, and a lot of what Dr. Frisch was talking about really uh, struck me, and I was it, it got very interested in the podcast, and so I decided to buy the book, and I just I, I ate it up. Um, it was an awesome read, and uh, um, face reading for me, I feel like I've always been pretty good at reading reading body languages and understanding people. Um, I'm not very good at many things, but that's definitely something that I feel like I've always had a fairly good gift at. And what Doctor's book, Doctor Frisch's book, has done is really allowed me to quantify it better. Um, you know, not just from a personality standpoint, but also from a health, which is really what I wanted to take away from it: is learn more about the health. The personality side's awesome um, because you know before when I first started, which is hopefully going to be a, a podcast here down the road. When I first started out here at DC Sports Training, one of the first things we used to make our clients do is a handwriting analysis. Uh, there's a lady out of uh, um, Michigan that uh, we would use, and we would have our uh, projected uh, clients, athletes that were interested in working with us, uh, write, you know, whatever, uh, a couple paragraphs, and we'd send it to this lady, and she'd be able to diagnose the person's uh, personality and what motivates them and what drives them and and all types of stuff and uh, it was really awesome and and to be honest with you I found it very very accurate well fast forward to the pandemic and uh, you know I hear this and I learn read the book and I and I learn you know loosely how to do these things and it's really allowed me to better understand people um, both both from a where they've been and where they're going and, and what's going on from a health perspective. Dr. Frisch is, uh, to be honest with you guys, he, he's like a grandfather, uh, father figure to me. Uh, his voice is just so calming and soothing. And just the way he talks is just, uh, just takes the stress right out of you. Uh, he's the kindest man. He really, really is. Um, for whatever reason during the pandemic, he, he took a liking to me and would just help me with, uh, my face readings and teach me how to do it and how to, uh, um, understand what to look for better and stuff. So I, I mean, I went through my family, I went through a bunch of friends, uh, I offered it up to my clients. I do free facial diagnosis 
just so I could practice and get better. Um, and he would help me. He would correct me if there was things I was missing. He would uh, play a little devil's advocate, and he was awesome. He was a great teacher, and he's a great, great person. And hopefully, uh, I'm sure you guys will, this will come across. Dr. Dr. Frisch's just loving personality will come across. He's just the kindest man. And um, as a coach, as a practitioner, again, it's been great to um, to have this skill. It really, really has. Be able to see you know, um, see these things, these traits, these qualities in people, and then also see things such as spleen deficiencies, or they got kidney issues, or adrenal issues, or fatigue, or uh, they're hypoglycemic, or hypoglycemic, or what have you, and you can tell these things, you know, where, especially with teenagers, where their um, acne is, will tell you a great deal of, you know, which organs tend to be acting up um, and, and just things like that. So it's been really cool, um, from a practical standpoint, um, to be able to now have this and, uh, yeah, it's a great episode guys. I I don't want to keep talking about how great it was. I want you guys to hear it. If you have any questions, comments, you can reach me on my, uh, social media, dcsportstraining.com, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email me at jmoyer at dcsportstraining.com. Enjoy the podcast. But, uh, okay. All right, Dr. Frisch, thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, I, I know you're super busy, um, but if you don't mind introducing yourself to uh, to our listeners and tell them a little about, about yourself and what you got going on and, uh, yeah, your background. First of all, I'm retired, so I'm not super busy, but uh, I do uh, I do find I don't know how I ever worked, so I think everybody that retires comes up with that, that kind of statement. I don't know how I ever worked, but anyway, I, I, did, I practiced for just short of four decades in St. Louis area. My passion was kind of a wellness practice, um, kind of a, I got frustrated with medicine and really felt um, I wasn't helping people with what I was trained, so I just took a little different path, and I think that's what we're going to talk about today, so... I currently live in northern Wisconsin. I wrote a book called WTF, Why the Face, a Practical Guide to Understanding Health and Personality Through Facial Diagnosis. Wow, that's a mouthful. I wrote it with my lovely daughter, Abby, and uh, I have a company called Shape Reclaimed. Uh, my wife um, uh, lost, <laughs> lost her mind when she gained some weight with menopause, and uh, she came to me and slammed me against the wall, and I thought, hmm, this will end up good <laughs> as a guy. And... Uh, she says, you help everybody, but you're not helping me. And I said, well, there's nothing wrong with you. And she says, well, I can't lose weight. And, and she couldn't. She was doing everything right, eating correctly. So I had a look at weight loss, which I had disdain for uh, forever because every diet I ever worked with a patient failed. And um, so I, I had to take a different approach. I came up with a system and now it's a national company. It's kind of exciting. I'm sure we'll talk about that, too, as we go. Yeah. Um, well, if you don't mind, uh, I mean... What are you a doctor, and what did you practice, and uh, kind of how did you get to, you know, I mean, we can we can give the abridged version, uh, uh, yeah, but, uh, sure, but uh, how sure. did you get to writing what the, you know, I love the uh, WTF, that's, yeah, a, that's hilarious. Yeah. You only read it on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, though. There so you go. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, my profession, <laughs> I, I uh, was a chiropractor, uh, I guess I still am a chiropractor, I loved my profession, but I became uh, profoundly bored with it, uh, I just... I just had a passion to help sick people get well, and um, you know, there's the there's the real rigid chiropractic uh, spine only, hands only kind of mentality, and you know, I just felt uh, there was more to it than than that. Uh, although I love my profession, um, I just felt um, there were other things I could do, and I got into 
It was originally called alternative medicine, um, which inherent in that term is you can choose this or this. Uh, and then that, that went away uh, and we became complementary medicine. We could complement um, the real doctors of the world. That was a um, sarcastic comment, by the way. Uh, and uh, then we went into CAM, which was complementary and alternative medicine. And then we did, um, we went under a number of variations. Now it's called uh, functional medicine. I, I don't think that's right. I like to use the word restorative. Functional medicine sounds like math to me. And I, uh, you know, you add two and two and you get four, but sometimes two and two you only up to four in, in, in working with people. So, because there's other factors we have to put into, into play. So that was, um, that's how I got into what I now call restorative medicine. And, you know, we're taught in medicine to ask what's wrong. And, and I, I have no problem with that. Um, the problem is the best diagnostic entity, at least at the time this article was written, was Mayo Clinic. And I was reading this article. They were right in their diagnosis upon autopsy. Now, the, the patient is clinically dead. <laughs> and their diagnosis was, diagnosis was correct 55% of the time, which means 45% of the time it was an incorrect diagnosis. Therefore, they were incorrectly treated. I'm, I'm surprised that data got put out there, to be quite honest with you. So I, I became frustrated with the what's wrong mentality because they had too many people come in with just a myriad of symptoms, and yet every medical test known to man was textbook midline normal. So my frustration with that led me into uh, a quest to ask, instead of what's wrong, what's not right? It sounds like semantics, but as this unfolded, and you know, you like to start with the end in mind. Well, that's great unless you're a doctor. You don't know what the end looks like. So you can't start with the end in mind because you don't know the direction your career is going to go. So I began to look back and realize um, there was a pattern. And basically, we start healthy, we live a nice long life, and we end up at death. Now, somewhere between those two points, everybody on this earth is on this earth. That's where they are. They're either healthy or on their way towards death. And hopefully, they're healthy the whole time until one day they just pass from this earthly plane. Now, I noticed that you basically had to be two-thirds sick before medicine showed anything wrong. And I, I actually talk a lot about this in, in Abby and I on our book, WTF. Um, it's called the dis-ease model. <laughs> dis-ease means there's a disharmony. There's a, there's a hyphen in that term, in that word. So when you leave health, uh, the first stage we go through is we simply go out of balance. We're just energetically not right. We don't feel bad. We just don't feel right. From there, we move to what I call the water phase. It has nothing to do with water. It's just a term I made up. Um, and there's a pressure on me. Have too much water where things expand, and not enough where things will contract. And then this water phase is where we have symptoms, and the symptoms often with no known cause. And then the last phase, the third phase, I call the blood phase. And this is where the blood tests, the x-rays, the MRIs, the CTs, and all those medical tests show their abnormalities. The problem is you literally have to be two-thirds sick before medicine sees it wrong. And that is not a slam against medicine. It's just observational on my part. And when I realized that, I thought, I got to look and ask what's not right with the patient. And that's how I developed all these different techniques of assessment. I studied iridology with Bernard Jensen, fascinating man, just a kind, gentle, brilliant man. I studied um, astrology. I couldn't find a lot of help from it. I think astrology has merit. I just didn't find a way to meld it into my, my medical way of thinking. I studied uh, all these different techniques, Ayurvedic medicine. There wasn't a lot of books written on Ayurvedic medicine at the time, but there's a lot of books written on Chinese medicine. 
and it became fascinated with this whole process of yin and yang and these development theories and this kind of stuff. So it really helped me in my understanding what's not right with the patient. So someone comes into me, they got one-sided headaches, they talk with a really loud voice, and they're just as tense as the muscles are incredibly tight. I know that patient has an imbalance in their wood element, which is liver gallbladder, because the voice becomes very loud in a person with a liver imbalance. The liver governs muscle, and headaches, migraines in particular, are the most common, um, you know, it's the most common symptom of a liver imbalance. And the, the gallbladder meridian starts at your eye, goes up over the top of your head, doubles back, goes across your shoulder all the way down to the second, out the second toe. So one-sided headaches are almost invariably um, a liver gallbladder imbalance. So now I had a what's not right kind of mentality, and I would then work with their diet, take them off toxic foods, try to put them on uh, foods that support the liver. I might use an herb like um, somer or milk thistle. Um, different things I would do. I'd have them drink lemon water because the citrus cleanses the liver. I'd have them get off of hard alcohol. So I had ways of supporting these people, and they started to respond. And I thought, interesting, I like that. And as they began to respond, I dug deeper into it. And uh, it ended up, um, I, was, I was in a class in New Orleans, and uh, it was awful. It was, uh, it was called charting, and it was a practice management thing. And I, I hate these things. They just they, you know, doctors aren't good businessmen, so we go to these classes to teach us how to be good businessmen, which is really about how to make money. And I, I never, I, I've always felt there's two kinds of doctors, those that love people and use money and those that love money and use people. I, you're, you're on one side of the fence or the other. I chose to be on the correct side of that fence. So anyway, I'm standing in this meeting and I'm just, and this guy says, now what you got to do is you got to buy, buy a thousand cards and there was no internet these days. And on the card, on the back of each card, call this guy, he's really great. And then you lay these cards all over, phone booths and all that kind of stuff. There were phone booths in those days. And I thought, well, this sucks. I feel just sliding big here. So I stepped out of there, and I, I walked down the hall in this hotel in New Orleans, and I see this little conference on Chinese medicine, and there was this little uh, um, Asian gentleman there with a little you know, classic uh, Mr. Miyagi little beard and a wax on, wax off kind of thing, and uh, I saw these these people standing in line. So I, I had, hello, my name is Dr. You know, it's not a first thing on, and they had their hello, my name is whoever. So I just I stood in this line, and this this little Asian fella, he he asked me to stick out my tongue, and he said, he not only tells me my father is dead, but what he died from, and the time of my life he died. And and I <laughs> my mouth just fell to the floor because he nailed it. My father was an alcoholic, death, death when I was in the fourth grade. And he just nailed it by looking at me and looking at my tongue. And I thought, I don't know how he did this. So I just, I never did get the guy's name. I, I just was so uh, blown away by the whole thing. But it started me on my search to look at people differently. We all do facial diagnosis. Abby and I just put some legs to it. So when we look at someone, you look at your child in the morning and say, geez, don't you feel good today? So what did you see that morning you didn't see the morning before? So we all do this. Again, we just put it into a, a, into some categories, again, using five-element acupuncture, that type of thing. And it, it created an, an absolute avalanche of people knocking my, down my door to get to see me. <laughs> this incredible referrals on my practice. I had people from, I practiced the same I think I had people from 
47 of the 50 states. I had people from 27 different countries come and see me. And I'm going, what are you people doing? Somewhere between here and Saudi Arabia. I have patients from Saudi Arabia once. And I thought, you've got to find somebody that is closer <laughs> than me. And yet, when you, when you, you practice with your heart first, um, people feel that and they feel comfortable and then they refer people to you and then you have this magnificent career. That's a long answer. All right. Well, there's the podcast, everybody. (laughs) Thanks. Um, (laughs) No, that's awesome. No, that's awesome. And um, I I completely agree. Uh, The money will come if you you just take care of people and and, and use your heart. And, you know, I I could hear that in you. The first time I heard you, it was on uh, Perry's Stop Chasing Pain podcast. And I heard that in your voice and and the way you talk and and tell stories. on top of your interest to Chinese medicine, which I also have an interest in, um, it, it was just like I gotta, I gotta find out more about this gentleman. So I immediately bought your book on Amazon that day, um, and yeah, I reached out to you guys, and you've just been the nicest person ever to me. So uh, you, you and your daughter Abby. You. So um, yeah, I, I, I love, um, I, I love what you do and your message and everything behind it. Um, now, if you don't mind, would you mind, like, with the facial, okay, so why the face is a great, as you say, legs to things, but it's a great guide. It really is very, I have some other facial diagnosis books because of my now interest in this stuff, thanks to you. Um, and I'm not just saying this because you're on my podcast, and I mean this from the other books. Yours is by far the most practical and most just telling of how to do this um, kind of stuff with with, um, with with the information as well. So um, I'm not saying I'm an expert by any means whatsoever, but being able to take your book, take some pictures, I've been able to help people and get ideas for things. Um, yeah. But would you... You know, we, we wrote this book with, with this goal. We wanted to write a book that Sorry. doctors would be um, blown away by and impressed, but yet a book that the public could yeah. pick up and read and also utilize, which is basically an impossible goal. <laughs> uh, I don't think it can be done. And, I, and honestly, Pete, Jeff, I think we did it. I, you did? You know, it, it's self-serving to say that, but look, I, I, look, I just lived the life. Have <laughs> you wrote the book? I write like I talk, and <laughs> you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't have bought the book. And I have, I have over eighty books on facial diagnosis, yeah. and I know. Some of them are absolutely horrible. Some of them are outstanding. Some of them are very, very uh, traditional Chinese medicine-based. Some of them are Hollywood-based, you know, how to find your match and and that kind of stuff. We wanted something that really um, anybody could look at an ear and look at the book and go, oh, like your ear, your lobes are very attached to the side of your head, which means you're very attached to family. My earlobes are very large. Does that mean I don't care about my family? No. Uh, my ears are very large, period. Uh, ears represent risk-taking and longevity. I come from very long rivers. I have no problem taking the risk. I once had I once had six mortgages. <laughs> what was I thinking? And, uh, uh, but, you know, it wasn't a risk. I, you know, I, I was betting on me. And when I bet on me, I have no problem. You know, I, I just, I'm very comfortable with what I do. I still do it, although that's what I did, I guess. But, um, you know, when your when your energy is to help sick people get well, um, 
people are going to pick that up. I, I, I teach a lot now, uh, and I mostly teach physicians. Um, one of the things I teach is something I refer to as the faith circuit. And what this is, is you as a practitioner or a doctor have to have faith in what you do. And the only way you get and maintain that faith is you have to study and continue to learn. Now, when a patient or client comes to you, energetically, they're going to pick up that, that energy. And they're going to have faith in you. And when that faith circuit connects, it, you can't fail. You, you, just, you just can't. I've had people get well in consultations with me simply because I explained their problem in a way that the brain said, oh, oh, that's what I got. I can, I can fix this. And they got well. I always got the credit, which was such a cool thing. But uh, <laughs> you know, they, they did the healing. My clinical successes were so greater than my abilities. People would come in with stuff, and I'm thinking, this is so about my pay grade. Don't, what are you doing here? I'm thinking this in my head. And then I would step back, and I have this target of health. And, and most doctors are all about bullseyes. And that's fine if you've got a known diagnosis. If you've got a cancer diagnosis, diabetes, you've got a bullseye. So there's a definite protocol that you want to do. And you, and you want a bullseye kind of doctor in your camp with this thing. But now you come in, you've got migraine headaches, you have chronic fatigue syndrome, diagnosed with fibromyalgia, you can't eat anything without getting bloated, you can't sleep, and you're gaining weight. And nothing is wrong. Everything is normal. So then I look at this patient and with these horrific symptoms and... Uh, and I go, okay, the, the target of health starts with pH. If your pH is out of balance, you're not going to get well. Most people are very, very acidic. When you're acidic, you steal minerals. Minerals are nature's painkillers, muscle relaxers, tranquilizers. When you're acidic, you produce a lot of mucus, so you're <coughs> constantly clearing your throat. You're going to retain water. When you're acidic, you go for a walk, can't make a fist, peel your socks off, your, your socks are embedded in your ankle. The storm front comes in, and you feel achy all over the place. It affects barometric breast, uh, having a acid environment makes barometric pressure your be and you can feel the norm come in. So I would I would balance their pH. I would start working on that. Then the next thing in was was stress management. If you don't cope with stress properly, uh, and I always had an attitude about the word stress. Uh, it was always the medical answer. Well, honey, you're stressed. Take some Prozac and you'll be better. <laughs> so they gain 20% of their body weight because everybody that takes Prozac gains weight. Unless you're really, really thin to start with. But if you're not thin to start with, you will, you will gain 20% of your body weight. But you don't care because I'm frozen, so you don't care about nutrients. Um, so I had an attitude about stress. And then one day I thought, you know, stress is real. And if it's real, I, I want to not understand it. So I really undertook a in-depth study of stress. And now I understand the cortisol, what happens in your body, and how the, the rhythm that cortisol has, and what its ratio is with DHEA. When that, when that uh, ratio is out of balance, what happens? Well, Lots can happen depending on how the imbalance is. So stress manages the next, next circle in this target of health. The next one we go into is digestion and detoxification. Are you eating foods that your body can handle? Are you digesting it properly? What is your liver doing to get rid of toxins? And we go through a whole assessment of that, and I go to the immune system. And, you know, is there immune deficiency? Autoimmune is the big Thing. Everybody's getting diagnosed with autoimmune. Hashimoto's thyroiditis and all these sclerodermal, all these autoimmune conditions today. And then you hit the bullseye. So I found that no matter what the patient had, what's the pH, how they handle stress, how's their digestion, what's their immune system doing. And I would just kind of pick them off one at a time. And someone might put stress first instead of pH. I, I, this is just my system. I think I'm talking about it in the book. But once I did that, all 
all of a sudden, these people got well, and I would just get the credit and shake my head and go, wonder how that happened, you know. But the body heals. You know, I just happened to be a facilitator, which was just, just a wonderful thing. So that that's kind of, uh, in a nutshell, how I would look at every patient came through my door. I had just had this target of health, this disease model, and, and I would, you know, I placed them on that mechanism and then do what I could to kind of help them. Awesome way to make a living. Yeah. Um, now, how in this trying time of uh, COVID and everything with, I, I, I mean, I'm sure if you were still practicing, uh, people would be, I mean, even more so knocking down your door with the amount of stress and everything going on. What are some, if you don't mind, for, for listeners, some practical things they can do as far as balancing pH and managing stress? Well, yeah, you know, um, I, I I have to be honest with you, I, I, I truly believe there's evil behind this whole thing. Um, you know, it, it just, just a couple days ago, John Hopkins came out with a statement and said, COVID-19 is statistically a non- entity. It's statistically insignificant. Um, the CDC, you can read it on their website, um, the cure rate on COVID-19 is 99.4%. So 0.6% of people have some serious issue with COVID. Now, you take 0.6 times 350 million, that's a lot of people. But there is um, there is statistically no difference in the number of tests this year than there was Last year, you know, matter of fact, it's less. Anytime, twice there's in history there's been a dramatic reduction in death rates. One was in Canada when the doctors went on strike, and the other was in Los Angeles County when the doctors went on strike. So people couldn't go to the doctors; they they quit diet, which I find an intriguing, an intriguing statistic. So people aren't going to doctors now. All we read about is what's going on. So you got to ask the why question: uh, what what's behind this? And I think it's multifaceted. Um, all of it, I feel, is, is kind of evil. Um, but is it financial? Sure. Is it to sell vaccinations? Yeah, probably. Is there political aspects behind this? Probably. Um, is there control behind this? I think so. Think of this. We, you know, we, in the middle of COVID, we have a coin shortage. Now, we're not going out. Restaurants all, everywhere are shutting down. Stores, you can't go to them. Anybody ran out of coins? Does anybody step back and go, how did that happen? You know? Well, if you're a conspiracy theorist, which I'm not, but you, you got to go, well, we have to use credit cards so we can, we can be tracked. You know? <laughs> how do you have a coin charge when nobody's out spending money? It's not, somebody needs to step back and answer that to me. And, and it goes deeper. I practice energy medicine. I, I am board certified in acupuncture. I love energy medicine. I love trying to understand energetically what's going on. But let, let me throw this at you. There's a book. Uh, it's called The Heart Math Solution. There's a number of books, but uh, on, on the energy of the heart. And there's an electromagnetic magnetic energy to the heart. And it's measurable. And it's actually outside of our body. And they did some studies, and they found they could actually measure the heart between, in most people, the average individual is three to five feet. That's our heart energy. Now, this is when you come up to this beautiful young lady, and you're not married, and you see her, and your eyes meet, and they lock down, <laughs> and you just walk within three feet, and there is something there, okay? And you just pick that up, or you walk up to someone, and about to shake their hand, and you get the blackest 
most cold, dark feeling imaginable. Well, you just picked up the heart energy to that person. So it's three to five feet. They measured the, the Dalai Lama at, at 39 feet. I find it fascinating. <laughs> you know, uh, that's, that was his heart energy. Talk about an amazing individual. So how far do they want us apart, Jeff? Six, six feet. Mm-hmm. We can't feel each other. That, that's, a, that's a control issue. So COVID is real. People have died from it. Uh, I'm not discounting that. Uh, I, what I am having a problem with is the overreaction that is occurring. You can't go see your grandmother that's dying in a nursing home. You know, that's, that is sinful. In, I'm in St. Louis right now. I live in northern Wisconsin. I had to come to St. Louis for some business kind of stuff. So the city of St. Louis is allowing people to come in and into restaurants. The county of St. Louis is not allowing it. I got a patient that has one restaurant in the city and one had a patient. Uh, one restaurant in the city, one restaurant in the county. They are five blocks apart. One is shut down. The other one's what? What the hell is going on? I, I just. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I probably a subject we shouldn't go. <laughs> shouldn't go on hey, dark. Let it out, man. I, I love. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, look. <laughs> you know, you're a business that yes, requires sir. people to come into your facility, and they're shutting you down yep. on a on a virus that is. You know, we have four thousand world-renowned immunotherapists saying this is a non-entity, and then we get this little. Individual, I like to put my face mask someplace up his body, uh, you know, and telling us how how bad this thing is. And you know, I, I just I just struggle with it. I, I'm sorry, I, you know, I probably stepped on some toes here, but somebody's got to step back and say this is enough. Um, you know, this is this is about control. Uh, and I, uh, the founders of this country, they said, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, all men are. Great equal, pursuit of the rights. Among those are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Thomas Jefferson wrote that, and I don't think Thomas Jefferson would be happy right now with what's going on. So it's it's disturbing. Let's talk about the weather. Well, let's go back. That's all right, Doc. I love go off as many tangents as you want. I I I learn from from people's tangents, Uh, and you you've forgotten more knowledge than I'll ever accumulate. So. Uh, so what would I do? You asked the question, what would I do? Look, I'd support the immune system if they're worried about it. But here's the thing. Fear is immunosuppressive. Mm-hmm. Fear is immunosuppressive. And let me say it one more time. Fear is immunosuppressive. If you're fearful, when was the last time in history we trust our government and fear of family, friends, and neighbors? Tell me the time. Maybe during the polio epidemic. I don't know. I, I was yeah. a little kid, you know, in the in the mid fifties when this was going on, but you know this is um, this this is odd. But you know vitamin C is very good, uh, zinc is very important, vitamin D is very important. Those are the three things for sure you want to do. If you do get a viral infection, um, to support it accordingly, elderberry is very effective. Um, there's a Chinese herb called astragalus that's really great. But with any infection, there's two factors. One is the virulence of the entity. And statistically, COVID is not a virulent bug. H1N1 was 60% more virulent. The second is the susceptibility of the host. How susceptible are you? So we shut down the whole world. Well, let's shut down the people that are susceptible. That's, you know, let's, they say, well, we can't do that. Well, you, you did the other way. Sure, you can do that. You just say, look, you got this, you can't do this, this, and this. And 
it makes sense. But no, we shut down everybody. It, it just it is just uh, insanity in, in my eyes. So the key is don't be susceptible. Strengthen your body. Do things that are healthy. Uh, make an effort to make a difference. Get good adequate sleep. Um, exercise properly. Eat properly. Don't eat a highly toxic inflammatory diet. And amazing, you stay well. Well, if you're okay, let, let's tie this now into back to the book. If you, uh, yes. <laughs> well, if you get someone uh, coming to you and, and and you know you're just having a conversation, what kind of things do you look for as far as on their face, as far as you know they need, they got stress issues. Well, you know this, you know from a practitioner standpoint, I love this because everybody comes to you dancing a certain dance, okay. And if they come to you and they're dancing the walls and you want to do the swing because you're really good at the swing, you're not going to get patient compliance. So I start with face shape. There are nine face shapes. I'm a bucket face. Do not play me in trivial pursuit. I will kill you. <laughs> bucket face is like to put things in their buckets. Okay? You, uh, I think if you remember, Jeff, you're a little bit of a tree face. There's yeah. some tree quality to you. Yeah. So tree faces um, are deeply rooted spiritually. They can take the winds of life. Very nice. They like to grow on their own. You would suck at working at a factory. Just might shoot yourself. You yes, it, it, it's not something you can do because it's not in your wheelhouse of happiness. It just it isn't going to be there. You like to grow on your own. But your strength and your gift, all tree faces, your ability to spread your branches, protect you, make the best dance on earth. It's just a remarkable thing. My female tree faces, they're so to take care of others, they forget to take care of themselves. So, um, so these nine face shapes, my wife's a king face, uh, you know, when a king face would come to me, they don't want to talk about the weather. Their question is, can you help me? How long does it take? What's going to cost? Let's move. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> they don't want to talk. They don't want to talk about sports or the weather. Now, bucket face, we want to talk about everything. You got to negotiate with us because you know, we think about it. Uh, I, I got to think about that. Yeah, I know. Really? If you get an, uh, an iron face, that's that Winston Churchill square face. Um, I will use words like, you know, if you can, if you can dedicate yourself to doing this for three weeks, if you can just persevere, those are that's the language they hear, and it it, um, it it's an absolutely fascinating thing. My patient compliance was amazing because I knew what music was playing in their head, and I would dance with them wherever they were. And an interesting thing, it is a wonderful patient. He had a very good friend. He was a genius at stereos. And he actually hooked up back in the days before we had uh, Pandora and that kind of stuff. We actually had speakers in the ceiling, and that all be hooked together by wires. But he made my system work, and I'd always call him for emergencies if something broke down. But anyway, uh, he left that world, and he became a financial analyst. And he wanted to teach at a university. And he had gotten my book on facial diagnosis. <laughs> and I was talking to him uh, two days ago, as a matter of fact. And his name is Greg. Just a, just a delightful gentleman. And uh, we were both young at one time, but neither one of us is a young man anymore. But um, he he got a picture of the guy that was going to interview him. And the, the guy that was going to interview him had very forward-facing ears, those elephant ears that were sticking out. So when you have ears that are sticking out, you, you hear everything, but you don't listen. But you like to hear your own words. So he goes into this saw the picture and goes into this interview, virtually says nothing the whole time. Just asked a couple of questions and answered very quick answers. And at the end of this conversation, this guy did all the talking and he said he said to uh, Brady, 
um, I paraphrase here, he said, well, this has just been an absolutely wonderful interview. I have never enjoyed an interview more than this. The guy did all the talking, like mm-hmm. to hear himself talk. He said, so if I would offer you a job now, what would you say? <laughs> and Brady said, I would take it. And Brady didn't say anything. And, and the, he, he, he literally played this guy. He did what, he, what this person wanted to hear. And uh, he got the job. So I, I'm, I'm, I never thought of facial diagnosis in that aspect. It, but I would hire people, you know, I would never hire three, three king faces to work my front desk. It would be World War Three. It's just, they're all leaders. You can't do that. You've got to have a nice manner of people. So it, it, the facial diagnosis can help on so many levels. There's a, um, you know, Jeff, we all got the story. And uh, uh, you've talked to my daughter, Abby, the, the mm-hmm. co-author of this thing. Actually, the author. I just, I just live life, as I said. So um, my story is uh, my first two children died. You, can't, you know, you can't think of anything worse than a child dying. And, and when it's your first two, um, it, it was a pretty tough, tough road. Uh, but I will tell you, anything that's happened in my life that is bleak and boring and awful and horrible, if I can step away emotionally and live enough life, I can come to the realization that I learned an immense amount. I would have loved to learn these lessons differently. But I will tell you, had the first two children live, Abby is my fifth. Uh, she wouldn't be on this earth. We would absolutely not be on this earth. And that would have been a tragedy. Uh, and and I will, I'm going to read something. It's on page 105 of our book, Lesson. We have life lessons spread out through the book. I think there's 11 of them. And the title is Facial Diagnosis Changes How You See People. I lose it every time I read this, so if I get kind of teary, just forgive me. So Abby wrote these words. And my point here, had my first two children lived, these words would have never been written. This book probably would have never been written. So I quote, "Um, We have been reading faces for a combined total of nearly 40 years, and we have studied hundreds of faces while writing this book, trying to find the perfect examples of each face shape and feature. We can't even count the number of times we uttered. What a wonderful face. And Abby goes on. Something fascinating, fantastic about learning to read faces is that you stop looking at people as more or less pretty. When you learn to read faces, every person becomes a beautiful, unique individual. To see strength is inspiring and motivating. Seeing weakness increases awareness and empathy and helps you to become more kind. Facial diagnosis doesn't help you to become a better doctor. It helps you become a better person. I would have been profoundly sad had those uh, words never gone on print. And that, you can't know what it means to write a book with a daughter until you've done it. It was one of the most magnificent experiences of my life. And I love those words because I am a better person because I can read faces. Well, it's it's an amazing book and uh, it's definitely changed. And I mean this, I'm not just saying it because you're here. Um, it changes how I view things uh, and view people. Um, from people that step into my door now, I'm able to grasp uh, a better understanding of them. And, you know, for me, accumulating knowledge is a passion of mine, but what good is it if I can't uh, articulate it or, or get it across to the person um, that I'm trying to educate? And your book has helped me to be able to understand people better so I can communicate better. Um, and that's been just an awesome, awesome tool. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't you don't realize how good you're getting at it till all of a sudden one day you go, I I just know things. Somebody walks with big bushy eyebrows. Eyebrows represent 
passionate uh, temper and pride. So this is a very passionate person. They got a hot temper. They're real wiry eyebrows going everywhere. It means something. If they're if they're coursing down in, they're very critical of themselves and others. So knowing how to talk to that person right off the bat makes perfect sense. I, I just think uh, it's it, it's not playing people. It's just it's just understanding where they are and coming to the level that they're at to help them. And I, I don't have a problem. With that. I don't think it's cheating. <laughs> I, I absolutely don't. I think it's fantastic. Well, I mean, maybe if you're using it in some poker games. Uh, yeah. Well, but, uh, I, I stay away. I don't. That kind of. I'm a risk taker. I don't care. I've never been in a casino. I've been in one. I just never. But uh, I mean, you've said it. You've said it. Uh, here and you, you say it in your book. I mean, it's it's face reading something that everyone do, can do. Everyone does. They just may yes. not know it. And uh, um, I know I've I've been able to do that. But your book has given me a better lens to now view things. And it's something I can't turn off. I'm watching TV. I'm watching a movie. I can tell things sure. now about that actor, that actress. Um, you know, uh, if they have anger issues, if they have spleen deficiencies, if they have <laughs> mother father issues or you know what I mean problems with um you know with with alcohol or uh you know yeah but uh one of the things you you, you mentioned to me uh, back in March when we were first talking that you said it was a dream and I'd love for you to expand upon it is your love of the Packers and uh um what yeah. you, what you would love to do for them and I think it would be a great uh, idea but yeah, uh, you know I, I only do this for the Green Bay Packers though so give <laughs> them advantage I would. I can't assess athletic talent, uh, you know. I but I can tell you um, how bad of a decision it was to draft Johnny Manziel. Now, I think later in life, Johnny Manziel is going to do real good. But um, I would have advised the Cleveland Browns not only not to draft him in the first round, don't draft him at all because of what I saw on the facial diagnosis. I'm not going to get into details on that, but. But I would have absolutely said this is a bad idea, and and to spend the kind of money they did, and you know, you know, history has proved me to be correct. But I would have, I would like to work for an NFL team, and just give them some advice on what this person kind of is from a personality standpoint. I can certainly pick up health issues. There's so many of these uh, NFL players that have low blood sugar problems, and that that's. Uh, it, what happens is when they're these finely conditioned athletes, it's not a problem. But the moment they stop, they all get obese. How many of these athletes that were so trim and sleek and greyhound-like become St. Bernard's later in life? It's because they they never dealt with their, their butcher issues. The, the guy that ate the Skittles all the time, I'm not going to give a name here, but I'm telling you, he is going to be morbidly obese in his life. I, I, I promise you. And uh, if he's listening in on this, yes. call me. <laughs> yes. yes. I, you know, and I could I could have helped him right then and there. And when your blood sugar drops, um, and what happens with hypoglycemia, and this isn't diabetes, this is the opposite. Hyperglycemia is diabetes, hypoglycemia is low blood sugar, hyper is high blood sugar. But what happens at vaselines, and this is where you get these mood swings that go with it. People all of a sudden they do these incredibly stupid things. Well, they're much as well. They call it angry. Uh, you know, the commercial give them a sticker bar. Not not the way to treat that, by the way. Uh, but they're going to have uh, a volatile career because they're not. Their brain 
requires a perfect amount of glucose. The purpose of insulin is to keep glucose out of the brain. Uh, and if it gets too high, it's a neurotoxin. That's why the number one cause of blindness is diabetes, because high blood sugar in the brain, in the nervous tissue, causes neurodegeneration very, very quickly, and the eyes take a big hit. So, you know, there's things that could be done, and I would advise the, um, the people that handle the nutritional aspect, you know, there are things you should do. These people should have protein for breakfast instead of Skittles. Was this particular athlete was notorious to do. So, you know, I, I really think I could make a difference in uh, in uh, when they drafted people, I could give them some really good information. There's some coaches I'd like to talk to also. <laughs> now, if you don't mind, uh, for those listening, just practically speaking, to tell blood sugar issues, you're looking at the, the eyes, correct? Well, it's called the inner canthus. That's between the corner of your eye and the bridge of your nose. That's the area of the pancreas. And it, in the hypoglycemic, it's kind of a grayish-blue color. Um, you can't really tell the difference between high and low blood sugar. You can tell there's a blood sugar imbalance. You just can't tell which one it is. You have to dig a little deeper history. And, of course, some blood tests would help uh, in that situation. But you can get it can give you a clue. I can't um, look at somebody and say they got, they got cancer. But I can look at someone and go... Yeah, they're not getting oxygen into their lungs, and that, that the, the cheeks represent the lungs. And when you see that gray, sunken, large pores, there's a degenerative condition going on in the lungs. I can't call it out as a, as a cancer condition, but I can sure get in their face. I never got people's faces. I always danced with them. You know, I, I would tell them um, what they needed to hear in a way that they would hear it instead of shaking my finger at them and shaming them. They never went anywhere with anybody. <laughs> I learned early in my career this isn't working. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, and another one of the things that I loved about your book, especially compared to the other books, is again the detail in which you, you go. Some of the Chinese face reading books go into more the personality side, which is cool. Right. Some kind of go into the organs. Yours combines it, and then I still yet to see where. And it's fascinating to me the difference between right and left. Uh, yes. Would you mind kind of explaining that to to the listeners? Yeah. So this is unique to our book. I'm not in all the books I have. This this is kind of Abby and I our call. Um, so the right side of your face is what you show to the world. It's your outer appearance. It's it's from your mouth. The left side is your true inner self, and it's um, it's what um, where you are deep on the inside. It's your father's influence. So when we see this remarkable left-right imbalance. Um, I I have trained myself to look beyond that right eye. The right eye has so much energy and so much power. You can't see anything else. That's all you see when you look at someone because that's the energy they're throwing out there. When we talk about politicians being two-faced, they all are. Everyone. If you, if you separate them, matter of fact, if you every politician in, in Washington today and took a picture of the right side of their face and the left side of their face, and then swapped them, in essence, making two lefts, um, you couldn't recognize the individual. They wouldn't look like who they are. Um, we use a picture of, uh, it was a cover of um, Sports Illustrated, and it was, um, um, I'm blanking on the name, how can I do this? <laughs> um, oh, uh, Michael Phelps. And when this 
when this came into my office, uh, the mailman threw it out. I, I picked the book up. It's on page 97. And I, and I looked at it, and I go, whoa, he's got a toxic relationship with his dad. And I, and I threw it on the waiting room table. <laughs> and sitting in my office, the staff said, what are you talking about? I go, hey, this ain't. And she goes, Dr. Todd, what? <laughs> I go, I ain't just saying. So I go into my office, and she comes in the middle of lunch, and she said, I read the article. He had a horrible relationship with his father. How did you know that? Well, when you look at him, his right eye is absolutely healthy and there. His left eye, he's got puffiness under his left eye. That's unshed tears. Left eye is male. He's got unshed tears with his father. Now, ironically, I've seen pictures of him later where he did not have that. Now, obviously, he was being interviewed about his relationship, very toxic relationship with his father. And I think he showed right then and there, he had these unshed tears. And later in life, uh, you know, there was a change. So it, it's, it's, it's so dramatic. I show a picture of a rock star that, uh, I, I won't give a name, but I, when I lecture, I'll show this and I'll, see, I'll show the picture of the guy who looks like a rock star with long hair. He's a real handsome guy with that little goatee and, and uh, and I, then I show him. I said, well, this way he shows the world. And it's a very, it's kind of a smirking kind of eye. And, uh, and then, I, then I showed him, and I said, before I show the next slide, um, I want to ask you, would you allow your daughter to date this, this individual? And I show this opposite eye, this left eye. It is absolutely sinister. It's an evil looking at eyes. And I never, I'm blown away by the groan I get in the audience every time I show that particular slide. And it's just unbelievable. And you don't see it because there's so much energetic power on what we're throwing to the public. And politicians are the best at it. They're all two-faced. None of them should be there. If you want the job, you shouldn't have it. You know, I, somebody says, are you Republican, Democrat, and Independent? I go, no, nah, I universally dislike them all. Okay. <laughs> you know, if you want the job, you shouldn't have it. But, you know, that's we have a country, and uh, we have leaders in this country. And uh, my mom gave me the best advice when it came to politics. I was at an age where they shifted um, the uh, voting age from 21 to 18. So I was like 19 or 20 at the time. And my mother, little five-foot-tall German Lutheran lady, little redhead, and she sat me down and she said, no, this is how it works. You will vote. Every time, <laughs> you know that German Lutheran, you're going to do it this way, and she said, "Now you vote who you want to, but you support who wins. That's what makes this country great." I never forgot that, and I, I have been unhappy with certain people. Uh, I've been, I've never been happy with anybody getting elected because you know, I have this feeling they shouldn't, if they wanted, they shouldn't be there. But um, I've always kind of taken that approach, and um, you know, no matter if you don't like the winner. What are you going to do? Well, the next day the sun's going to rise in the east, and you're going to wake up, and you want to live your life with integrity, and you want to do what you can to help people and uh, and live a good life. And what they do is their cult. Yeah, um, I love. Uh, we were talking about. I never would have noticed until reading the book such differences as splitting right and left, and seeing you know subtle differences between eyes, between sides, mouths. Uh, you know, uh, I've done this now with a bunch of my family, some friends, uh, and, and just being able to split them and seeing, you know, they're happy on one side, they're sad on the other, they're, they're you know, just all the differences like that. And one of the cool things I also love about your book is the, uh, the pictures of kind of like 
not before and after, but well, kind of before and after. So with soldiers before they go to war, when they come back, uh, yeah. Barack Obama before he was president, and then after Abe Lincoln, and just the changes they see, and it's crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know that that was really telling. Yeah, you know the interesting thing is um, when someone degenerates, um, and we, we're all we reach a peak, and then we we can rest our life toward the degeneration pathway. You can change that. You can make a difference in that. I have seen people's um, personality change when their health changes, and we say, "Wasn't well, that obvious?" Actually, no, it's not. Uh, it, it's quite a remarkable thing. Um, I think you can you can really stall the aging process. I, I don't like the term any aging. To me, it says I'm afraid of dying. I, I have no fear of death. I don't personally want to be first in line, but um, I, I have no fear. Uh, I think I'm, I'm a bucket face. I'm thinking, what's next? You know, that's <laughs> going to be exciting. What am I going to learn next? But I think we can really make a difference in people um, health-wise by showing them there is another way. And uh, facial diagnosis, you can actually see the changes. Uh, mm-hmm. I you know, these soldiers that were there, there was six months difference before they left, while they were in Afghanistan, Afghanistan, and six months later when they came home. And it was it was scary, uh, the difference that was there. But you can reverse that. You can take it in the opposite direction. But do you think the one individual I know was using drugs and alcohol and it's PTSD from the word go. But I think as a physician, I... I can spot that, and I can make uh, a change in them to, to strengthen their adrenals. Um, the stress is very acidifying to the body. Uh, it affects the nervous system. We become what's called sympathetic dominant. We have two parts of our nervous system, uh, our autonomic nervous system. One slows us down, the other one speeds us up. The sympathetic nervous, speeds, the sympathetic nervous system speeds us up. And when you're sympathetic dominant, this is not a good thing. Uh, it's a normal process if you see a grizzly bear walking towards you, but you should have a fight-or-flight mechanism. But when someone has PTSD, there is no grizzly bear, and yet they're in this state of fight-or-flight. And they'll sleep, and you know, they become uh, drug users, alcohol abusers, and and their life uh, all kinds of suicide. I think you can visually see it. In fact, I have. Is that, is that... so much PTSD. Is that because uh, you, you get a lot of information by looking at the eyes, correct? Yeah, by the face and the eyes. Eyes included. I mean, right. Eyes are just so the size, just of read a book. the size of the pupils, right? Yeah. I just read a book by Brian Glazer. Or Grazer. Grazer? I don't know. He's the guy that, um, he's a Hollywood producer. Um, Ron Howard is his Hollywood mm. uh, partner. He did a, a Beautiful Mind. Um, and his whole book was on looking people in the eye. And a fascinating read. I was just captivated by this book, and and uh, I want to I want to call him and say, I get looking at the eye, but he's only seeing the right eye. <laughs> he's not, he's picking up the energy of that, and I would like to just get his opinion. Um, ironically, he did a television show. He's a producer of a television show called Lie to Me. Hmm. Now, Lie to Me. I, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It was on okay. for three seasons. It, it should have ran like Gunsmoke ran for 20 years. It was the greatest show. It was, it was the work of a Paul Ekman. And I've got all of Ekman's books about uh, facial diagnosis. Only he did it on personality. I mean, yeah. it, uh, a disgust, uh, a face that shows disgust 
is the same if you're Japanese, if you're Taiwanese, if you're Icelandic, if you're blind. It doesn't matter. The, the, the facial expression is identical. person that's never had sight, ever, in his studies, disgust is, is the same. Anger is the same. Fear is the same. Dread is the same. It, it's absolutely fascinating. So this, this uh, television series was based on, on this guy's work, and it was a fascinating. I, I just fell in love. Of course, it was right up my wheelhouse, but... Um, so, but I, I, I want to talk to him and just get his opinion and show him some of the things that I have noticed and just see where he would go with it. It would be an interesting conversation. Yeah. So anybody out there that's listening, if you know Brian, Brian uh, Glazer, I think, um, have him give me a call. Well, when we post this, I'll, try to, I'll try to tag him on social media if he's on social media. <laughs> I don't know. I know who you're talking about, um, the, the director and producer, but... Uh, yeah, he wrote a book, a national bestseller called A Curious Mind, uh, uh, which I happened to find on my shelf when I was looking for another book, and I went, oh, I bought that book. I didn't know I had, I even had it. That's the, that's a buckethead mistake. I bought so many books twice, because, ooh, this looks good, then it go again, go look good again. Six months later, forgot I already bought it. Now, I'm just curious, with um, clients that come to you trying to tie it all together, you know, at least for, uh, especially for someone practical, in my scenarios, you, you see someone who has a spleen issue, a liver issue. Um, we've spoken before about, uh, I use uh, Touch for Health uh, yes. and, and some applied kinesiology principles. You know, following that, would you then muscle test, and forgive me, I, I can't remember offhand what muscle goes with the liver. I'm sure you know, but then would you muscle yeah. test those muscles and see what's going on? Or if they come in with a shoulder uh, issue, would you? Sure. You know, that... Sure. Um, so deltoids are going to tie to um, the lungs and the, the psoas muscles are going to tie to the kidney. Uh, sure. You know, all these are techniques that I studied, mm. again, with the mentality of asking what's not right. And again, patients that came to me, nothing was wrong with them. That was my, that was the, that was a typical patient walked through my door. Now, again, I had a referrals-only practice, and I had a reputation in St. Louis of being good at what everybody else kind of didn't know what to do, and um, which is an intimidating place to be because I did some real tough cases. But again, I would just shake my head when they got well and go, wow, thank you, God, because I didn't know what I, I don't know how it happened, but I sure like what happened. So again, you would use this as confirmation. I like things to show three, three times. So if someone came in and I saw dark underneath their eyes, uh, which is kidney, uh, and I and they had low back pain, which is kidney, uh, and they had a weak psoas muscle, which is kidney. Uh, it's a huge muscle. It gives you ability to stand upright. And they had a family history of arthritis, and they were very fearful. I got five indicators of kidney. I want to support kidneys on that individual. But I, wanted, I always had to have three. Two wasn't enough. Three was the perfect amount, three or one. If it showed up, and I also did iridology, uh, which I got laughed at, but, you know, when something works, you can take the hits because you know you're helping people. Um, iridology has historically uh, come under the quack label. I don't care. You know, I, I was all about just helping people, and if that helped me help them, then I didn't have a problem being called the quack, and I was called the quack frequently. Not at the end of my career. Everybody just kind of shook their head. <laughs> like, well, now you do what you do, but you seem to be right a lot. Uh, so, it, it, you know, you just use those. And I, the, the three was the big one. 
so then I liked it. And when I use supplements, I never like these more than three at a time. I have doctors that you know put people on 20 different supplements at a time. I have medical doctors put people on 15 different drugs. How do they know how those are there? I didn't like, there's something right about three. Uh, it's just a, a real balanced number. And uh, so I would show three times, and I never used more than three different supplements on a patient at a time, unless there was something acute that I had to treat. So it was my rule of thumb. I'm not saying everybody should do that. I'm just saying it's what really worked for me. Yes, sir. Um, no, that's interesting. Okay. I like, I like your rule of three. That's kind of cool. Um, definitely take that with me. Um, as far as supplements, um, you know, there's, uh, I don't, I don't know too many, at least around here in, in Pittsburgh medical professionals that rely on nutritional supplements, but, uh, um, is, are there particular brands or things that you look for? Well, I, you know, I actually uh, was so fanatical. I actually uh, flew to their companies and toured their plants. Awesome. When they would say something, I go, "Okay, now show it to me," you know. And uh, I was very, very uh, uh, persnickety when it came to that. All supplements are not created equal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm I'm a very intentional doctor, and I. Uh, when I gave a supplement to a person, it was my intent that that supplement was going to work. I looked for companies that made supplements intentionally. Most companies make a supplement to make money. That's fine. I don't know. And they might have a good quality supplement. But when there is an intention behind that, um, there's some wonderful companies out there, Physica, Designs for Health, Orthomolecular, uh, integrative therapeutics, um, some of them that I use. Now, most of them are only sold through doctors. Um, the ones over the counter, I'm sure there's good ones. I just never use them because I wanted to make sure if that supplement failed, I didn't want it to fail because it was a poor quality supplement. I wanted it to fail because I chose the wrong one. Yes, so it it was uh, important for me. And, I, and again, I toured their factories. Uh, I just uh, took my money and put it on the line and said, all right, show me, tell me. You say that you do this? No. Show me. I want to see where it comes from. Where are you, where are you getting your sourcing material? And uh, I have some companies I didn't go with because uh, they sourced from places I didn't agree were correct. Are there any things that you look for uh, for those listening who may go to a Whole Foods or a Vitamin World or something like that then that, you know, that, that can help them sift through some of the, the BS of supplement companies? You know, just don't let um, cheap you know, cost be the overriding factor. Um, I, I'll, I'll share a story. This gal came in, lost her mind. She was so mad at me. I sold her fish oil. And it was, uh, she came in with this bottle of fish oil from Sam's. It had four times the amount I had. Okay. And it cost a third of my cost. And she was full of piss and vinegar, my mother would say. She was very angry. And I let her throw all the darts at me and that kind of stuff and I said uh, shake your bottle and, I, and she said what? I said shake your bottle and she did and there was no shaking they were all melted and stuck together and I said are you aware that if fish oil reaches a certain temperature um, it will actually become toxic it will become pro-inflammatory and I said uh, how many how many fish oil tablets can you count on my bottle? She's like, well, I can't see. I can't see what's in there. I said, it's opaque. The reason it's opaque 
if you expose fish oil to light, it'll, it can actually become toxic. Hers was a clear bottle that were all glued together. She had to peel them off one at a time. And I said, look, I, I get it. I understand where you're coming from, but I, I do not make decisions lately. You can take that fish oil, and I think it'll harm you. You take mine, I think it'll help you. And if you don't believe that, that's okay. I, I accept that. But I'm not going to waver when it comes to quality. Uh, I'm just not going to do it. So um, there, there's things that, um, look, you, any products you take, um, if they help you, it's a good product. Mm-hmm. If they hurt you, it's not a good product. No. How do you know that? Yeah, I wish I, I wish I could tell you there's a way. I just, I did the research for my, my patients, and, and I had to be comfortable with what I was giving them. Otherwise, they weren't going to get it. Love it. And, and actually, I gave her money back for the one she bought for me. She's oh, you don't have to do that. I go, no, I'll, I'll, buy, I'll buy it back for me. And I did. <laughs> you know, never, I, I, I teach my step. Never never win an argument with a patient because they'll never come back. If they don't come back, you can't help them. So I, I just, I didn't want to get in a pissing contest with any patient. I just wanted to help them and do what I could to keep them, um, keep them there so I could make a difference in their life. That's a good tip. I like that. Um... Well, Doc, I don't want to take too much more of the time. I know you got a busy Saturday, but um, please tell the listeners more where they can hear from you, learn from you, read your stuff, just get more Dr. Frisch. Yeah, so, uh, you know, com, shapeproclaim.com is my company that, you know, it's built as a weight loss program and then it becomes just a wellness program. It's just a remarkable thing. But if you just Google my name or WTF, uh, it'll it'll pop up. Um, you can call my office um, at any time. It'll be on my website. Uh, how to get a hold of the office? If you want a signed copy of the book, you can certainly um, uh, go on the website and they can get me. And I mail it off from Northern Wisconsin, which is, which is fine. Um, but uh, you know, I look. I, I spent my career um, with an advertising budget of zero. <laughs> I did not advertise. I had a referrals-only practice. I never promoted myself on any level. And, and now I have a company and I have a book that I have to promote. It's a very uncomfortable place for me to be, you know. Uh, I so appreciate the, the Jeff Moyers of the world because you are <laughs> you are calling me and promoting me. And it, it's, it's um, kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit to do it. It's just not my style. But I appreciate uh, you allowing uh, me to get the word out about something that I think is so valuable. It, it, you know, when you help people, you, you just cannot. It, there's just good energetic karma with that. I, I just think it's fantastic. And the book is done that. And we have had so many comments in, in such a positive way about the book. Uh, actually, we never got a bad comment. So that, that's kind of cool. I feel the exact same way. Um, that's why I don't know who listens to this, but I appreciate everyone that does. Uh, um, but I only try to bring on people that I have learned from and that I feel passionate about. And your book has been uh, uh, just a huge, uh, huge, uh, just lens, uh, just paradigm shifting thing for me um, this year. Um, I, I'm, I'm the type of mind similar to a, a user where I, when something bad happens, say good and figure out why. And so the pandemic sucked and you know, we kind of went into thoughts yeah. and stuff on that and that's neither here nor there but I got to listen to your podcasts with, with Perry I got to buy your book and then I got to personally get to know you 
and you help me tremendously in my ability to uh, understand your work. And uh, again, when something bad happens, say good and figure out why. And uh, it's been awesome. And I and I, you know, I I'm truly thankful. Uh, you you are in my life, and I I got to, I don't know, I got this WTF. And uh, yeah, I implore anyone listening, please check out the book. It's been awesome. You'll learn a ton. Um, and it's a it's a great party trick to also have. Yeah, it is. My daughter and I will constantly <laughs> stuff will come up at a party, we'll make some comment and all yeah. of a sudden everybody in the room turns towards you. And the next thing you're diagnosing everybody. And it's just um, as fun as it is at a party, I'm telling you the difference it makes in, in relationships and in, in all levels. Just to understand. Suppose your your task is hiring people. Suppose your task is mm-hmm. choosing how to talk to a purchasing agent. Suppose your task is hiring an actor. You know, you're not going to hire. Um, think of somebody, John Wayne, in a romantic comedy. It's just you don't have the face for that. It's not who you're going to want. You want that that chisel, Clint Eastwood look. He's not going to be again in a romantic comedy. Uh, it's just a lot of comedy, as they call it. He'll be dirty hairy, <laughs> you know, something like that. So it, it's 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 fascinating on how widespread uh, facial diagnosis is in helping people um, understand life. And isn't that what it's about? You know, are we all trying to figure this thing out? You know, we're so broken. And, you know, as a nation right now, it's, it's so sad that greed uh, and the violence and, 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 the, and the anger and the hatred that seems to exist. And wouldn't it be nice if it didn't have to be that way? And I, I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be that way. It, it's again it's an energetic principle we could make such a difference by how we interact with people and we can disarm people by showing off it's a simple thing really i have to share this and i've done this many times uh, this is a problem with math the problem in our country today is a math problem there is an energy to every word and it's measurable it's and it hurts the word love has a hertz of 528. That's its energetic vibration. The word hate has a vibrational rate of 100. Now, here's the interesting thing. Cancer, depending on the cancer, has a vibrational rate of anywhere from 40 to 100. So if hate is a big part of your life, you are bringing your body's energy down toward cancer's depths. There's nothing wrong with cancer. It just lives at a vibrational rate that is damaging to us. So if you bring your vibrational rate down to 100, using hate as your overriding uh, energy, you are inviting in catastrophic disease. But let's let's take this in a positive. For all those people out hating and toppling uh, statues and burning buildings and, and the anger that they have, we can knock out five of them by, with love. 528 and 100, do the math. We can knock out five. If we get 5,000, how many do we knock out? Well, 25,000. What if we got 25 million, 20 million, 100 million? The amount of hate we can absolutely obliterate by loving someone. And what do the great masters all tell us? What did Buddha say? What did Christ say? What did Muhammad say? What was their overriding energy? It was love. It's, it's just, it's math, people. We just have to do the math. And if we do the math and use the love, we knock out on a five to one ratio, we can obliterate this hatred in this world. 
and we have to obliterate it because it's it's not a place that we, we should be. That's a great place to end. The end. The end. That was Drop awesome. <laughs> well, Doctor Fish, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and, and oh, I really enjoyed this. And, and I, I hate that it has to end. You, you are the man, Doc. Thank you. <laughs>